Hey there, we're starting our podcast episode a little bit differently today. Normally, right now, you'd be hearing a tease, something funny about the episode to kind of hook you into listening to it. Um, (laughs) This episode, we need to start with a disclaimer in that um, we've already recorded the episode and now we've realized that we said one of the main actors' names wrong the entire time. (laughs) Paul, I thought his name was Paul Dano. Yes, but it's Paul Dano. It's Paul Dano, and it's funny because we were really focused in on Zoe Kazan, making sure we said that right. <laughs> yeah. At no part was I like, we don't know how to say this other guy's name. Exactly. <laughs> so, I, just an apology, a little, also a peek behind the rom com rewind curtain. Um, we effed this guy's name up the entire podcast, and we just want to apologize for that. Which, can I be honest with you for a sec? I'm really bad with names. Me too. I mean, we all know that, I think, by now. (laughs) So, like, this is a secret. Please, you listening, don't spread this around. But, like, in my day job, like, I do stuff for radio. And there are a few musicians. I can't believe I'm acknowledging this. Full on, I don't say their names on the radio because I've looked up how to pronounce their names so many times that it's, like, it's one of those things that, like, at this point... It's gone on too long that I can't look it up again. I'm just going to not friggin' say their name on the radio. And I don't think anybody's oh noticed. None of my bosses have acknowledged it, but I'm like, I'm I, I'm not looking it up again. Yeah. I'm just, the ship has set sail. I don't know how to say it. Just like we didn't know how to say Paul Dano this Well, episode. we thought we did. Right. But we were wrong. And so we've corrected it. And now we're never doing another Paul Dano movie ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Rom-Com Rewind Podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Devin. And like you, I love rewatching movies over and over again. You made it here, you found us. You love romantic comedies. We do as well. So this is a show where we rewatch rom-coms, break them down a bit for you, maybe take a peek behind the curtain, dig beneath the surface, and decide, does it still hold up? Today we have Ruby Ruby Sparks. Sparks. And if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, make sure you throw us a follow as well. If you want to become a part of the RCR fam, so many of the conversations that happen on this podcast continue on on our Instagram account, at Romcom Rewind. That's also how we keep you updated on uh, things that are upcoming, just things in the in the Romcom world, in the Romcom Rewind world. So if you want to be part of that world, throw us a follow. Also, throw us a DM. We love to read them like Julie messaged us the other day saying, Hi, Sarah and Devin. Love your podcast. I've listened to every single episode Many of them multiple times. I know that that's, there's a lot of episodes. There's over a hundred. By the way, we're over a hundred episodes on the rom-com rewind. So that's a lot of downloads. Thank you, Julie. Um, Julie says, I don't think you've done pretty woman yet, but I really hope you do. Oh, we absolutely will be. We got to put it. It is on the list. It's it's like quintessential (sighs) rom-com. Like it's, it's a big one. We, for ones like that, we're, I wouldn't say reticent, but we need to make sure we nail it. Mm-hmm. Like knock it. Like we can't half-ass the notebook. No, no. When we walk into the notebook, you got You got to have your ducks in a row here. So yeah, Pretty Woman is for sure on the list. Yeah, absolutely. Ruby Sparks. A 2012 romantic fantasy drama, I would call it. Written by Zoe Kazan and directed by Valerie Ferris and Jonathan Dayton. Those two were responsible for Little Miss Sunshine. And I feel like we get a interesting similar vibe in this one. But Ruby Sparks is the story of Calvin, played by Paul Dano. Calvin is an anxious young novelist. He found massive success on his first novel. He became an instant hit sensation. And now he's kind of struggling to 
to find his inspiration. Calvin's therapist encourages him to work on some writing projects, you know, and after writing about a girl named Ruby who liked Calvin's dog, Scotty, this kind of jogs Calvin's imagination. But here's the thing. That person, Ruby, she becomes real. Like Calvin writes this character named Ruby Sparks and this fictional character he created is brought to life. Played by Zoe Kazan. Why do you think you're not writing? I don't know. I get a good idea and then, bam, I start thinking that is the stupidest thing ever. Tell me about it. Ruby Sparks, 26 years old, raised in Dayton, Ohio. Why Dayton? Sounds romantic. Ruby got kicked out of high school for sleeping with her art teacher, or maybe her Spanish teacher. I haven't decided yet. I'm glad you found something that inspires you. Inspires me. It's like I'm falling in love with her. That's wonderful. I can't fall in love with a girl I write. Why not? Because she's not real. I missed you in bed last night. Did you get some good writing done? film also stars uh, Chris Messina as Calvin's brother Harry, Annette Benning as their mother, and Antonio Banderas as Mort, their father-in-law. What are your thoughts on Ruby Sparks? I wonder how often authors, they, they come out with one, you know, best-selling book, and then they just have trouble doing another book after that. So many times <laughs> you see, so many times you see that, you know, they sign multiple book deals with publishers, and the publishers are really down their throats about the next book and the, and the next, you know, what, when is it coming? Okay, we'll extend it. We'll extend it because, you know, the creative process. But I wonder how often it happens because, and I think about, you know, JK Rowling, there's, you know, quite the controversy around her. I'm not going to talk about that per se, but what I'm going to say is she wrote Harry Potter. She wrote the, eight, the uh, seven books, but you know, the other books she's written after that haven't really hit like HP. Well, I'm sure they sold well just because of her name. Totally. But aside from that, it's not like we're making movies of her her other novels, right? Yeah. And then, and then you have great, great authors like Stephen King, who just comes out with book after book oh after book yeah. and just like can't stop. I just, I always wonder, you know, is it just like kind of like music one hit wonder or is it just more? Is there more to it? I would love to to know more about that. But that's that's just a side note. I think there's yeah, we are going off on a side yeah. note here because like there's a lot of artists documentaries like musicians is obviously like my interest. And Louis Capaldi often talks about how like, you know, you're just a nobody. You come out of somewhere, you get a record deal and you have an album and it hits. And then all of a sudden people are just hammering you like well then when's the next one right it's like i just figured this shit out guy like i don't know when the next one is i, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if this one's good you guys just like it yeah. it's um the other novelist that i'm surprised you didn't mention george rr freaking right, right right yeah who did game of thrones he did like three novels he sold it to hbo mm-hmm. and it was always like and i'm gonna keep on working on the novels yeah and then hbo caught up to the novels and we still didn't get a new one from George. Oh, and now that show is effing over. I know, I was going to say, it, and he it still doesn't done. have a novel out. Like, and he's, he's said a few times, like, I don't know, HBO's ending is a little bit different than the one that I'm writing. And it's like, well, we will never know when you actually release it. <laughs> great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, this is how it ended. Yeah. TBD forever. Um, but yes, back to what my thoughts are on the movie. You know, this movie is such an indie movie. Um, it actually, was better than I thought it was going to be. So pleasantly surprised. The ending was different than I thought, like I expected. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know, really know how I feel about it 
at the ending part portion, but I liked the movie itself. Okay. Um, yeah, mixed emotions about the ending. But I, I get the very ending, but it's okay. just before that. I wouldn't call it difficult to watch. Yes. You're, no, it was difficult to watch. You're watching two characters kind of like, like break down and you knew based on the trajectory yeah. of the movie like this. It had to happen. This has to come to a head. And when it did, it was very emotional. Yeah. And difficult. Right. Yes. But then after that, I was like, okay, that, you know, the ending was, um, apropos. Yeah. It was, it was a good ending. Um, I think it's a quirky watch for sure. Quirky for sure. It feels like I'm going to throw some names out there. I don't know if any of them will stick. Stranger than fiction. Obviously yep. there's a connection there mm. because it's two characters who came to life because of writing. Yes. I'm going to say it feels a little 500 days of summer to me in that, like the main male lead that you're meant to root for is, that like does have some like I wouldn't say toxic, just like some big character flaws that you need to get through by the end of the film, and it takes them losing the person that they. Oh, oh spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> um, yeah, things don't work out for them in the, the the way that they thought because of their deep character flaws. You know. You know what? Interestingly, though, I actually wasn't rooting for him. Like it was, it was a weird watch because it is a rom-com in a way, but I wasn't rooting for either of them to necessarily end up together. Like it wasn't like, I don't know. It was just, I was just like, okay, I, I guess, you know, something's going to have to happen for, for anything to, to resolve. I think you're rooting for more his character to figure out his life. Yeah. Then yeah, like, cause yeah. you know, like, oh, she's a magical character that you made up. Now <laughs> yeah. she's real. Spoiler. Like this is, this is probably not healthy that you can just write her however you want. So like, I think you're not necessarily rooting for the both of them. You're mm-hmm. rooting for him to get some resolution. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and you were talking about what, what movies this is based off in a weird way. Like, not necessarily like the indie portion of it, but more like weird science <laughs> of creating somebody. It's like I mean, Frankenstein. This is, this is more like a science based, but this is like writing based, but kind of like a similar, like the perfect woman, right? hundred oh, percent. So it, here's what I have written down. It's a story of how you can write your dream person. Even if you create them, it won't be right because something will never be perfect because the life in itself is imperfect no matter how you try to change it. And I think that's the core message they're trying to get across. I will say, though, that this film is really well uh, packaged is how I'll describe it. Like, Mm. there's good good wrapping on this present. There is. You know? Um, It reminds me, because it's popping up on TikTok so often, it reminds me of a Wes Anderson film. Oh, my God. In that, like, aesthetically, it feels unique. It knows what it's supposed to do. Like, every shot kind of feels purposeful and the music used between scenes has this really nice cohesion that it's like okay somebody somebody put a lot of thought into i want every scene to feel a certain way and it's all gonna flow yeah the movie's definitely it pulls on the um its successes in the emotions that are driven throughout the movie but as well as the um dialogue between the characters like that's what drives this movie true indie fashion right like it's it's very much so about like the way the scenes are shot the music that's played in the background the dialogue had between the two characters or not had right body language so um all of these things you can definitely see in this movie let's dive in 
So Calvin is our main character. He is an author, um, but he really doesn't have any friends other than his dog, Scotty. Scotty. And his brother, who he's very close with. He hates crowds. He also goes to see a therapist on the regular, which you mentioned. Um, He does go to a book event and everyone loves him. He calls him a genius. Oh my gosh, you know, this book you wrote. So he's written one book and he has a deal with the publishers to write another book. And they're just waiting and waiting and waiting. He truly just wants to stay out of the limelight. He is definitely an introvert. Um, you know, wants to live a quiet, chill life, doesn't really do very much, if anything at all, really. His therapist, uh, he goes to see his therapist one day and he gives him a task to write a page about his dog, Scotty, and someone who sees him and accepts Scotty, the dog, for himself. Scotty is a big part of this movie. Yes, he is. Can we do... And this one's tough. I was recently chatting with a friend about um, Homeward Bound. Remember that movie back in the 90s? Loved Homeward Bound. How they cry every time they watch it. And then I watched Ruby Sparks. I'm like, this is another big dog. What what are the best, all-time best dogs in movie history? Can we do the list? Sure. Who you got? Okay. I have Beethoven. Yep. That's on the list. Air Bud. Yes. Um, I have... Air Bud. There's like 15 different effing Air Bud movies. (laughs) There's a, what, three or four Beethovens? Three Beethovens, I think? Oh, yeah, but the original was definitely... Oh, for sure. Far away. Um, Lassie. Yep. Um, Love Lassie. I should have uh, have asked how many. (laughs) Uh, Like, I've got, in no particular order, I've got like 20 maybe Oh, my God. I know, I've got a ton. I can't get 20. I can maybe get like a few more. I would say, um, I, I, and, and... Don't come at me for this. What are you about to say? What controversial opinion could you possibly have about dogs? The animated movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah. Great film. Great film. Please don't at Sarah <laughs> about all dogs go to heaven. I know you have strong opinions no, 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 about no, no, it out no. there. Just that, no, I meant not not you guys, not the listeners, you specifically, oh, Devin. Oh, <laughs> the way you said don't at me, it sounded like you were oh, talking to their no, RCR fan. Don't at me, Devin, oh. on this, because I bet it's not on there. You got to specify if you're talking to- I'm so sorry. That person or-, or. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm talking to you. Um, Balto. Oh, yes. I would never have thought of him. Underrated but, mm. animated film, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Lady and the Tramp, classic. <gasps> oh, yeah. I'm throwing Bruiser from Legally Blonde in here. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good one. Is he not a big part of the... He was yes, like he the was, driving he force was, of the second one, well, too. Yes, he was. Yeah. He was. <laughs> Sorry, for some reason I thought there were three out already, but I'm just so excited for the third one that I just like thought it was already out. Oh, God, I got to change that for my RCR fantasy draft. Okay. Well. I don't. I don't know if it's coming out. We should put a poll on our Instagram. Do we think Legally Blonde 3 is coming out mm, in yeah. 2023? Um, there's something about Mary Features a Dog, The Fox and the Hound, The sa- oh Sandlot. Oh my God, Fox and the Hound. Um, Sandlot. Oh yeah, that has a dog. Clifford, the big red dog. <gasps> oh, that's a good one. Oh, the dog and babe, the uh, border collie named Fly. So nice. Love that dog. Wow. I didn't remember any of these. What? I mean, as you say them, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Oh yeah, okay. Do you remember Slinky in Toy Story? Yes. And do you remember Old Yeller? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Scotty probably falls somewhere in the middle of this list. I feel like he falls at the, like the bottom of the list. Cause I even think Slinky from Toy Story is higher up. Than Scotty? Um, hell yeah. The amount of people who have seen Toy Story versus Ruby Sparks. Scotty 
in the movie. Come on. It's funny you say that because like the reason why the therapist is like, write a story about yeah. somebody who loves Scotty <laughs> is he's the worst is because Calvin is very self-conscious about how shitty Scotty is. I know. And even you're like, yeah, he is kind of <laughs> shitty. You but he's sh- not though. You should feel self-conscious about it, Calvin. <laughs> God. Sarah. No, 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 <laughs> no. But I like the list because you know what? It jogs my memory for all these great dog movies. And like, you know, we should, we should let our dog watch some of them. <laughs> she Wait, loves them. What are you saying right now? How did this become? We should sit down with our dog Frankie and watch a good. Cause she loves watching dogs. A on good the old Homeward Bound. I bet she'd love Homeward Bound. You know what? She wouldn't like watching Scotty on Ruby Sparks, but she'd wa- like watching Beethoven or Air Bud. So let's do that. Beethoven. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So back to the story he calvin goes home and he falls asleep and in his dreams he dreams up this woman who likes scotty the dog she's a redhead who is an artist and draws a picture of scotty in the park gives it to him and he's like oh my gosh this is wonderful he wakes up and is inspired to write his next book the book is going to be about his dream girl ruby sparks He goes back to see his therapist and is super pumped. Then he realizes that he's actually falling in love with this girl who he keeps falling asleep and dreaming about. She's not actually real. She's fictional. And he he realizes, oh, my God, am I going crazy? (laughs) But but wait, Calvin, there's more. Then his brother, when he's walking downstairs, finds a bra in the couch and he's like, are you sleeping with somebody? Like, is there something you're not telling me? And he's like, no. Oh, that's just Scotty, the dog who I'm super self-conscious about going over to the neighbor's house and bringing underwears and bras over (laughs) underwears, underwear and bras over to my apartment and hiding them in the couch. So Calvin doesn't think anything of it. He stuffs them in a drawer creepy yeah and throw he, those out and he go yeah he, yeah or give them back but anyway um goes oh uh, goes on with back the, hold on well, we is need that to talk weird that. yes okay sorry hold on you're expecting calvin to go door to door like hey is this your no, red I, lacy bra because i think he knows what neighbor that's my assumption is that he knows what neighbor scotty is going into their apartment okay however i want to say one thing before that's you continue worse. Unless you're willing to pay for the amount of money that is spent on women's bras and underwear, you don't understand. Shit's expensive. Okay. Question. We uh, we need to talk about it now. Yes. I do think that that's weird. If a if a neighbor, if a man, yes, don't even say because I know exactly who you're going to say. One of our neighbors. I'm who is pointing a man across the street. Coming over. There's a neighbor yeah. who's a man. Imagine he walks up. You got a red lacy bra, and he's like, no. "Hey, I think my dog grabbed this <laughs> from your what? From your what? Yeah. Like, where no. did they grab it from? That's awkward and really weird. Yes. Sarah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see her. <laughs> I love how you're like, but the economics of it, oh those God. are expensive it's items. It's expensive. It's expensive. Inflation's high right now. <laughs> like, good red you gotta, lacy bra, guys. You gotta save those pennies <laughs> where you can get them. <laughs> anyway, he goes on with his life just thinking that it's the neighbors. So Calvin stays up writing all night, and in the morning... Someone calls him on the phone and he answers the phone and he's running around the house and he's like, oh my God, I'm late. But before he leaves, he's like, oh, I got to take Scotty out. Then he hears a noise, a voice and says, oh, I'll do that. He realizes that Ruby is real. Ruby is in his apartments. Calvin starts freaking out, thinking he has gone absolutely crazy. They're going to commit him. He starts running around. Oh my God, this isn't real. Oh my God, this isn't real. Nope. She's real. She is a real human being that he has, in fact, created from his fictional novel. He wrote her. 
But at this point, he still thinks it's crazy. He just, he goes off. Like, they, they go somewhere. Yes. He goes to meet up with... Oh, my God, yes. So, somebody... Mabel, yes. who's a super fan of his. Yeah, super fan, gave him his number, wants to sleep with him. And he says, I need to go somewhere without Ruby, this fictional imaginary person that I have in my life. I need to go and see somebody real. Because he's such a hermit, he doesn't see anybody. So, he's like, I need to go see somebody. So, he goes to meet Mabel, and Ruby comes up to them. How's it? Do you know this girl? Yeah, hi, I'm Ruby, Calvin's girlfriend. I don't think we've met. Uh, no. Um, I'm Mabel. I was just going. You can see her? Yeah, she can see me. I can see her. My best scene is this next part where Ruby actually throws a glass of water in his face and ends up, she ends up running away and he ends up chasing her and... Like he in that moment of getting the water thrown on his face and everything like that and running after her realizes, oh, my God, this girl is real. Up until now, he still didn't believe it. And, you know, he's like, talk to me about it. Don't go on a date with another girl. What is going on with you? I don't know. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm just having trouble wrapping my head around the reality of this situation. They end up kissing. They end up getting together and they just end up hashing out and like realizing oh my god i love you oh my god yes and then they ended up kissing at the end of it of end of the scene so um the actual actors and actresses here paul dano and zoe kazan yes they are in real life married they are they got together back in 07 yeah i believe married in 07 yes yes they were married in 07 yeah this film comes out in 2012 which means they fall into an extremely fascinating category that is at the same time like popular and unpopular of actresses and actors and actresses who are married to their on-screen love interests, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. They they went in reverse order. All the people on my list met on set, were love interests on set, and then after their thing ended, they got together in real life. Oh, okay. So who do you think I have on my list here? Oh, I mean Brangelina. Brad Pitt and Angelina back yeah. in, uh, actually, I don't have the year here, but Mr. and Miss Smith. Yes. Which has been on our list for a while. They met on set. Mm-hmm. That's how they got together, which actually was kind of scandalous because. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was very scandalous. There was some perceived crossover with Brad and Jennifer Aniston at the same time. Yeah, Scandy. Who else? I mean, we have Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani. Are they on there? Yeah, I kind of count them. They met on uh, The Voice together. Yes, they did meet on The Voice, and Miranda Lambert was his previous wife. <laughs> also scandalous. Scandy. Uh, okay. Um, does Melissa McCarthy count? Because she always does movies with her husband. Oh, no. Ben Falcone? I, I don't have them on the list. They're seen together in Bridesmaids. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Because, see, I, I'm trying to hold on to, like, people okay. who were love interests in the thing. Because in Bridesmaids, they mm-hmm. do have a moment. Oh, my he's, God. He's the air marshal. She wants to bang him. They yeah. do get together. They do. So uh, I'll count it, Sarah. That 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 works. How about I just tell you the rest? Okay, yes. Kit Harrington and Rose Leslie from oh my Game, God, of Thrones. Game of Thrones. That's right. That's such a big one. Oh, I love them together. She gave us the classic. Can you say the line? You know nothing, Jon Snow. You know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> Come on. You know nothing, Jon Snow. Uh, our favorites, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. Oh wait, what did they? What were they in? Together? They were love interests in Green Lantern. 
which is a movie oh that God, Ryan Reynolds whoa. is so embarrassed yeah, by now. Pre- yeah, yeah. I feel like he pretends it didn't happen. Oh my God, my mind is blown. I, I love them together. But they were love interests in 2010 on that set and they were married by 2012. Wow, speedy. Uh, one of my favorites. I love this one so much. Mila Kunis. <gasps> oh, my heart. Ashton yes. Kutcher. Yes. They were our Kelso, our Jackie and Kelso yeah. in that 70s show. Yeah, and you know what? I never really saw the connection between Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher. Like, oh, I never, yeah, that's I right. always <laughs> thought it was really weird. Uh, yeah. And borderline, just really weird. Yeah. I just, like, I, I'm really happy that they broke up. Um, yeah, and, and I'm so happy they got together. I thought that was, this one's one of my favorites because they, they do the show, the show ends, and then they both go off and do their own thing for Forever. years. And then in 2012, they, they reconnect. I love it. Last ones on the list. They didn't work out, but Channing Tatum and uh, Jenna Dewan. Oh, yes. They did step a step up movie. Step up in 2006. Right. They were married by 09. Oh, wow. Three Ooh. years. Okay. Quick. So uh, Paul Dano and Zoe Kazan. Yeah. They, they were already married and then they're like, let's do a movie together. Right. So there is a montage of their dates at the movies, arcade club, dancing at a club. Like they're, you know, the, the typical rom-com montage because you got to have one. Calvin goes out for dinner with his brother and he tells him to go see his therapist and to call his mom. And he ends up, his brother ends up bringing him home after this because Calvin's like, no, I'm not going to see the therapist. My therapist is going to think I'm absolutely off my rocker. I can't. And so his brother brings him home after and meets Ruby because at this point his brother doesn't believe him. This is my best scene. Okay, I will let you take it away. So his brother is kind of like, you hired an actress. This can't be real. You guys are screwing with me. And Calvin insists, like, no, I swear to God, I wrote her. That this is this is Ruby, who I was writing about. So then his brother tests him. He's like, well, if you said that you wrote her in the exact image, then what happens if you write more? So Calvin and his brother, they go upstairs And they agree on something. I love this because they're like, we need her to start doing something immediately identifiable. So Calvin writes, and she started speaking fluent French. And then downstairs, they can hear Ruby echoing. She's just fluently speaking French now out of nowhere. And this proves to Calvin's brother, like, no, like this is, this is real. This happened. I don't know how it happened. It's the typewriter. It's me writing. It's a combination of both. Somehow Ruby exists and I can write her however I like. And one thing I wish they would have done is like kind of highlighted how he did it because they don't. And and spoiler alert, spoiler alert, they don't. They don't tell you, was it his imagination? Was it the typewriter who did like that did it? Was it a magic typewriter? Was it like they don't highlight how he did it? But I do want to talk about it because in a way she's an imaginary friend. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, right? And so, like, I want to kind of touch on, like, just a very few imaginary friends that are in other big movies. Oh, okay. The first one I have is Tyler Durden in Fight Club. Oh, that one's tough because it's not necessarily an imaginary friend. But he makes it up, right? Well, well, hold on, hold on. And this is a big Fight Club spoiler. (laughs) I've never seen it. So, like, I am speaking from... I know you have, which is why I researched it sarah are you ever gonna watch it yes i am but it's okay i know i know okay i know the spoiler that's coming this is a massive gripe that i have with sarah 
She hoards things. You have how many novels on the go right now? I have three books. How do you have three books on the go? Because she doesn't want to finish them. No, no, it's not true. The new Hunger Games book I just couldn't get through. Because you know Snow's bad. Like, you know, it's just hard to get through it because you're like, oh, I don't feel bad for this character. Not a glowing And then the other two, you know, I just am I'm try try I'm trekking along. But I will say I did finish one of them and then I started a new one. So moving on. Sarah hoards things. (gasps) I don't. And she's trying to pretend that Fight Club from 1999. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Is on your current list of, oh, I got to watch that. I do have to watch it. Shut up. You're not going to watch it. I am. I will watch it. Maybe I should just watch it now. Okay. Okay. Anyway. So good imaginary friend or like, like well done or like some, cause I like the take on it, right? Like it's cause he suffers from an uh, insomnia. Like it's not a true, like fictional, like mind, but his mind is messing with him. So the, the spoiler alert here, and I don't care that I'm spoiling it for you because this movie was from 1999. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Edward Norton is the narrator. Brad Pitt is Tyler Durden. Yes. They're both the same person. Yeah. So like Brad Pitt is going around. He like beats the shit out of somebody. He beats the shit out of Edward Norton himself. And at the end of the movie, we realize like it was him punching himself in the face and it was him doing like Brad Pitt was, they were the same guy. Right. So it's kind of an imaginary friend, but it's an imaginary friend. You don't realize is still you. It's, it's weird. It's so well done because the twist is perfect and I just ruined it for you. It's like the, um, this has nothing to do with an imaginary friend, but it's like the, the movie, um, that Leonardo DiCaprio's on when he's on that Island and he thinks that, you know, um, Shutter Island, Shutter Island, 100%. Yeah, that was a crazy ending as well. If you watch the series, Mr. Robot. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Big spoilers, guys. Big, <laughs> that That's actually not that old. That's probably like 2015 or something. Okay. So the next one I have is uh, Frank the Rabbit and Donnie Darko. Have you seen Donnie Darko? No, I haven't. Okay. So okay. A rabbit, though. are you going to watch Donnie Darko? No. Well, you should, because it's a crazy <laughs> mind F of a movie, psychologically. See, I've accepted that this movie is old enough that I don't have it on my list. But you should. You know what? It's. I don't know if this was on the curriculum or not. Probably not. But I know... The, the grade of, uh, for school, the grade yeah. above me actually did like a deep dive. They watched this movie in class and then they did like essays on it about like the meaning behind Donnie Darko. And like, I think they were in grade 11 or grade 12, but like, this is like a crazy psychological thriller movie. Feels like, um, wow, that's, that's fascinating. Feels like stuff that would not happen at schools anymore. Yeah, a no. A deep dive of Donnie Darko? Pro- I would say it did not happen. It shouldn't have happened. I don't know. Anyway. There's um, a rabbit. He's imaginary. Yeah, so like, I mean, Frank appears to uh, Donnie the, uh, to say that the world will end in, you know, 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds. And he appears throughout the movie to give instructions to him. Um, but it's, it's weird because like, while existing as an imaginary friend that only Donnie can see, Frank the rabbit also exists or Frank also exists in the real world as his sister's boyfriend, Frank Anderson. In the future, Anderson dies on Halloween while wearing the rabbit costume, and his spirit travels back from the future to guide Donnie as Frank the Rabbit. Like, it is really, like... that's messed up. Right? Like, it is really, like, anyway. Okay, so that one. And then the last one I have, just because I could go on forever. However, do you believe that Wilson... Wilson! 
from the, um, the volleyball yeah. is an imaginary friend in the movie Castaway. Oh, he's absolutely an imaginary friend. Yes, with, like yeah, mm-hmm. factual. The, okay, the anguish that Tom Hanks gives when he's off on that raft or whatever, and Wilson is just floating <laughs> yeah, away. Oh, my heart he's bro. trying to swim I towards know. Wilson. How did you make us feel so emotional about a right? volleyball? Right. It had to have some underlining. Like, I mean, did we create the imaginary friend for him? Oh, while no, he, sitting there as the audience because we felt emotion for this floating volleyball because it was his only friend exactly yeah whoa i wonder what the fan <laughs> theories are around wilson know. from i castaway. feel like there's no fan theories around wilson from castaway because there really shouldn't it's a volleyball hold on <laughs> So Ruby wants to go and meet Calvin's mom in Big Sur. And so they end up going because she says, you know, you never want to do anything. I'm so lonely. And so Calvin says, okay, let's go. So they all go because his brother and sister-in-law is also going. And his mom is a total hippie. At dinner, Harry, uh, Calvin's brother, almost spills the beans while he's high that Calvin has created Ruby. But he doesn't let it slip, thank God. So Calvin doesn't really like his mom's new boyfriend either. And they end up heading home with a piece of furniture from Mort that he made because he makes furniture from Driftwood, which I actually think is really cool. Oh, I love it. I love it. I would like a piece of Mort's furniture. Such an Antonio Banderas role thing for him to do in that role. Like, I'm just going to make Driftwood furniture. Yeah. Yeah, Sure, Antonio. You go crazy. And this is kind of where... I guess I guess the relationship starts to break down right before they go see Calvin's mom because Ruby has expressed her feelings that she's lonely. She's bored. They don't do anything. They don't see anybody. They have no friends. It's just her and him. And he loves it that way because their relationship is what he wants because that's how he built it. So when they're back home, back from visiting his mom, Ruby's, Ruby's singing around the apartment and Calvin tells her to stop singing because he's reading. He This guy has a lot of rules. She ends up telling him that all weekend his mom and Mort were really trying, but all he did was read his book. She says, you don't have any friends and it's a lot of pressure to be everything to him. And she wants to start spending more time in her own apartment and it wants to take an art class again with other people and so he says oh okay reluctantly extremely reluctantly isn't this gutty that calvin creates in his mind his perfect girl and even that and she ends up wanting to leave him yeah (laughs) like that's i think it just highlights that the story isn't about calvin and ruby's relationship it's about calvin's unwillingness to grow or change and that he needs to so very much because that, like you said, she highlights like you have so many rules. They're so ambiguous. I never know what I'm doing or if I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing. I feel like I have no purpose. So I want to go out and do my own thing. And he's very like jarred by that to the point that um, he goes to some drastic measures. Yeah. He, (laughs) she ends up taking these art classes and starts going out after her art class with friends and he's miserable at home and it's weird because he in a way like you said he's so reluctant to change and he wants everything in the relationship to be his way he doesn't want anyone else saying anything against what he wants so he ends up taking out his typewriter and starts writing again about how he 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 wants Ruby to feel that she needs him. She needs to be with him at all times. 
which is a pretty destructive and pretty toxic thing to do. And I think we're, I think the snowball has been pushed down the hill in terms of how, how bad this could get. Yeah. And it's growing in terms of Calvin is so insecure and he needs her. He can just write her however he wants. And he thought he made the perfect girl, but now he can change that perfect girl whenever he wants. And now she's stuck to him like glue and he realizes, Oh my God, this is super overwhelming for me even. So he goes back to his typewriter and writes, she's filled with joy. And now she's happy all the time, like ridiculously happy, joyous person. It's annoying. Yeah. Again, even to him. So he talks to his brother saying that he's writing again and Ruby's a lot to handle, that he's afraid that she was going to leave him before. And he tells his brother or sorry, his brother tells Calvin that his wife left him once, but he came back and he thinks about it all the time. So these are normal feelings, Calvin. You've just never felt them before and you don't know how to deal with them. And you you need to grow as a person and you're kind of refusing to, aren't you? Then he wrote... Uh, on his typewriter, Ruby was just Ruby, happy or sad, however she felt, except now she feels all the emotions all the time. And she's like going through them super quickly. He wrote himself kind of into a corner. Like he tried to make Ruby back to what she originally was. And it's just not working. No, because it's the way he wrote it, right? He has to like, Ruby was just Ruby. No, it like, you used different words. Yeah. You need to, you know, he, and he didn't think he didn't do that. So they go to a party because that's what Ruby's been asking for. So Calvin says, you know what? I have a party to go to. Let's go. So they go. And right away, Calvin's whisked away to talk to these people about a screenplay about his book. Ruby ends up on her own and Calvin goes looking for her only to find his ex-girlfriend, Lila. And they end up having a conversation about how she even says to him, like, and she's a real person says all you wanted to be in a relationship with was yourself. You didn't care about anybody but yourself. And he's still like that. He has not grown in any way. He finds Ruby in a swimming pool. Calvin finds Ruby in a swimming pool in the back of the house with his agent, I would say. I Langdon guess. Tharp. He's kind of like his. Um, he's gross. Yeah, he was a novelist friend of Calvin's when his first book was published. So he's not his manager, but he's okay. kind of like a novelist friend played by Steve Coogan, who that that's a good pick for like yes. your random suave <laughs> yeah, British yeah. guy who's maybe a little bit icky. We don't know. Yeah. And she does go into the pool with him because she is looking for experiences like like outside of just their relationship in terms of something that's fun, something that's not lonely, having people to do things with other than Calvin and he flips his crap. I was too busy getting you to put your clothes back on. You're supposed to be my girlfriend. I am your girlfriend. Don't act like it. I'm sorry, I wasn't acting like the platonic ideal of your girlfriend. Jesus, you're gonna be such a prude. Why, because I don't want you skinny dipping with other men. Because you don't want me doing anything. All of the insecurities are bubbling to the surface all at once. And then we get the the really destructive part of this movie. Yes. He tells her that he can make her do anything that he he wants. And she's like, no, you can't. And he says, watch me. We, we gather around the typewriter, kids. Uh, Ruby comes upstairs. He's at the typewriter. And this is this was the moment we were talking about. That's I mean, this movie had to come to a head. Big we time. had to address all of this stuff that's been bubbling to the surface. And we do in a really uncomfortable way, honestly. He starts yep. writing, Ruby started barking like a dog. That and she was does, the most uncomfortable and part. She, yeah, like it was really, like, 
is it kind of like an absolute power corrupts absolutely kind of thing? Like he could make her do whatever he wanted. And instead of following his moral compass, he did. And when she fought back against that, he showed her like, look, I can, I can make you jump. I can make you bark like a dog. You can do jumping jacks. I'm making it. You're doing all of it. Yeah. And I can make you do anything because you're not real. And she ends up falling to the ground and he realizes in that moment, like this, I love her, but she doesn't love me. This is like a fictional love of this woman who I created just for me. Like it's just, I think he realizes he can't do this anymore. And so he, yeah, he writes, she no longer, uh, she was no longer Calvin's creation. She was free. And then he finishes the book, tells her to read it. Um, but when he gets up, she's gone. Yeah. Uh, when And he kind of wrote that once she leaves the house, she is yeah no longer Calvin's creation. So now she's gone. Calvin has kind of hit the lowest of his low. He's with his brother a lot and he's just trying to make sense of everything. And his brother said, you know, why don't you write about this? And Calvin said, nobody's going to believe me. They're going to think I'm crazy. And this is one of my favorite lines. This was almost my best scene because his brother said, no, they're going to think it's fiction. Yeah. Because who would actually believe a story of a guy creating the girl of his dream? So, So Calvin theoretically writes this story and it becomes another bestseller. We see him later in a library, probably doing like an artist reading and signing some books and the place is crowded and he's reading the last passage of his book and everybody, everybody claps. And so everything's looking good for Calvin. And then he's in the park one day later with Scotty, who's off leash always bothers me by the way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh my God. And Scotty runs off and comes across this girl. Calvin walks up to her and she rolls over and it's, oh my God, it's Ruby guys. It's Ruby who now has no recollection of her time with Calvin. What's his name? Scotty. Scotty. That's funny. That's, um, that's the name of the dog in this book. And it ends up, it's actually Calvin's novel, which we find hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. And then the last lines of this film, I think are really great because Mm -hmm. she says, can we start over? Yes. <laughs> Just don't tell me how it ends, okay? Promise. It's so we get the idea that maybe like hopefully Calvin has done so much growing as a person, as an individual, he's a lot more in a healthier place. Yeah, hopefully he's grown enough to have an actual relationship with with someone as an as a healthy relationship. Yeah. Before we get into quick facts, I want to talk about this. So as we've mentioned, Calvin is a best-selling author and Ruby in the movie, he has created her to be an artist. Yeah. Both creatives. Um, you know, his apartment and life, they're not anything extravagant. So I wanted to see. I, You're right. Yeah. I would have expected him, like they tee him up to be this magnificent, but the-, the This the genius. Apart- yeah, this apartment's cute, but it's not like- He's not living in extreme luxury here. No, and I think everybody in the outside world thinks that he is rich and he's successful and a genius, right? But he's really not. He's a hermit. And I wanted to do some research on how much a best-selling author makes. and then Yeah, and then dive into some other creative arts salaries as well. Love it. 
So I have the top five richest authors. Oh, can I guess? Yes, of course. In no particular order. Correct. J.K. Rowling's got to be on there. Correct. Right? Yes. Worth about one billion. One, one b- b- billion, b- son. B- billion. Um, is George R.R. R. Martin on there? He is not on the oh, top five. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Not on the list that I found, so. Uh, Tolkien with the Lord of the Rings movies. No. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Is it stupid people like Stephen King? Uh, Stephen King's on there for 400 million. You know what? I shouldn't have said stupid. He makes great novels, <laughs> but he also makes like a million of them. Yes. So of course. Nora Roberts with 390 million. Oh, is Nicholas Sparks on the list? No. James Patterson with 560 million. Oh yeah. James Patterson. And Elizabeth um, Bendinder with $1.3 billion. $1.3 billion? That's more than J.K. Rowling. Yes. Oh my God. She's not top. This list anyway. I found one thing while I was doing this research. It fluctuated based on the articles that you read. Um, and we'll get more into that actually because uh, next I have the richest painters and then after that I have the, the richest musicians and that's where it got real dicey. So Richest painters. Do you know anybody? These are living because it was very difficult to cipher through the dead. Yeah, because dead people, dead painters, they tend to make more money after they're passed away. So it'd be like Van their, Gogh. their estates make all the yeah, money. Yeah, right? and they don't really have like most of their paintings not necessarily have gone for money. They're in museums. Like it, it just depends. Right. Um, current painters, I'm going to look like such a plebeian but um yeah, yeah, I literally I have no idea didn't know anybody but one and I added him just because I knew him. Oh oh Banksy. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh my god. How millennial are we that I we're know. like the graffiti artist is the one I know. Yeah, well he he's worth fifty million. Oh so. shit. The only artist we know is the graffiti yeah. artist. What are the others? Um David Cho for two hundred million, Jeff Coons for five hundred million, Jasper Johns three hundred million, Damien Hurst for one billion. And John Curran for $1.43 billion. You could have thrown a fake name in there. I would have no effing idea. <laughs> okay. We now have highest paid musicians. No, oh. this was really difficult. I actually have more than five because I... What I read several articles and it was all jumbled together. There were top 10 here, top 10 there. They were completely different. So I'm just going to give you some of the top people. So like, are we looking at net worth here? I'd say, yeah. Net okay. worth. Net worth. I'm going to say Dr. Dre is probably on the list. No. Wow. He wasn't. Uh, but I feel, again, that's is, just the articles that I read. Is Jay-Z on the list? He is. He is. Because it's always, what I find with musicians, it's like, what's the other shit that they own? Yes. And that's, and that's what was difficult ciphering through these because it was like, you know, John Lennon probably would have been at the peak of this just based on music. Oh, yeah. But because all these other artists, like one of them had Bad Bunny. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, There's I feel no like way. he's yeah. just on the scene. How can you be making a top 10 list? No. I don't yeah. even know who you are. It might have been top 10 list of that <laughs> right? individual year. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, Dr. Dre used to have Beats by Dre, but now that he's sold it, maybe his net worth is lower, but he cashed in. Right. You know? Jay Z owns Jay-Z. title and yeah. he owns a, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. 470 mil. 470. Yeah. He owned like part of the Brooklyn Nets for a while. Like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like they all own a whole bunch of stuff. We have Taylor Swift at 92 mil. Oh, I believe it. Oh, is Beyonce. Wait, Beyonce and Jay-Z are tied to Yeah. I was going to say Beyonce is not on it. Okay. Um, Blake Shelton at 83. Really? Yeah. Motley Crue, 95 mil. (sighs) Lindsey Buckingham, 100 mil. Yeah, I could see it. Red Hot Chili Peppers, 145. Okay. Uh, Ryan Tedder, 200 mil. I tried to give a mix too, you know? Ryan Tedder, 200. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Uh, Kanye West, 250. Because Ryan Tedder writes for like a ton of people. Yeah. Like, like it's, One Republic, his band is popular, but also like he's on like Adele songs and Beyonce songs. Like the dude's cashing in on royalties. Too. Yeah. Because like you look at Megan uh, Trainer, she also writes for a ton of artists yeah. too. Um, Paul Simon, 260. Okay. Uh, and Bruce Springsteen at 590. I believe it. Quick facts. Paul Dano and Zoe Kazan have been a couple and have been married since 2007. Zoe Kazan, who plays Ruby Sparks, also wrote the screenplay for this movie. Paul Dano and directors Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris previously co- collaborated in Little Miss Sunshine from 2006. This idea was explored in the Twilight Zone episode, A World of His Own, and a Stephen King story, Word Processor of the Gods. For the scene where Ruby suddenly speaks French in the French language dub, it is changed to her suddenly speaking Italian. Oh, that's really funny. The eccentric house that Calvin's mother, Gertrude, lives in is supposed to be in Big Sur, but it's actually a house in the Hollywood Hills that once belonged to uh, Sid Croft. Much of the dialogue in that scene describing material details about the house was written on the spot based on the actual owner's tour of the place on the day of the shoot. The book that's been torn apart by the dog, Scotty, is a copy of the novel Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. Both the writer and the novel are referenced several times in this movie. The typewriter that Calvin uses is an Olympia SM9. Author Tom Perota appeared as himself in a photo shoot with Calvin. Directors Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris spent several years working on an as-yet-unproduced adaptation of Perota's novel, The Abstinence Teacher. Honorable mentions. Antonio frickin' Banderas. (laughs) He was so good, I almost didn't recognize him at first. He, yeah, like, what is he up to lately? I don't know. That's a really good question. The answer is he is doing some oh, stuff. Oh, okay. I'm glad you know. <laughs> Tell me. Well, because I, I even thought that and I realized he did um, He did the Uncharted movie, which like oh. critically wasn't a huge success, but it was like a triple A movie that was launched back in 2022 based off a of video game. He's still doing the Puss in Boots, Boots shit. But, wow. Puss in Boots shit. Is he really? Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Out last year. Those movies are big. That has actually spurred a Shrek uh, donkey movie spinoff. Oh, fun. Because Eddie Murphy was asked, they're like, hey, like, are, do you, would you like to do more Shrek? And Eddie Murphy was like, I don't know why they keep on doing Puss in Boots <laughs> movies. I want a donkey movie. <laughs> and I guess the studio was like, we didn't even know, man. We're, we're just keeping on doing this. Puss- People watch it. So we're doing it. But like, if you want to do that oh one, we're, God. we're down I to do a donkey. See, I would go see that. I love it. I would I love to see a donkey Shrek thing. universe. Yeah. Um, but he is, he is doing stuff. He's going to be in the new Indiana Jones movie as well, but just Antonio Banderas is so like, he's so hard to pin down. He's so hard to pinpoint. I think because he was, he was Zorro and he had like a lot of big characters back in the day that now whenever I see him, it just feels so such good nostalgic fun. It's like Tom Hanks in a movie. Like Mm -hmm. I just enjoy you. It doesn't matter what you're doing or if you're in a movie for like five scenes like Antonio was yeah, in this one. Yeah, we just love to see ya. I'm just happy to see Tom mm-hmm. Hanks. Yeah. So I was just happy to see Antonio. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I mean, my honorable mention, I think it's pretty obvious, is Scotty the dog because he <laughs> never good. really would have met her again in the park without Scotty. Unleashed. True. Un- oh, the next movie, oh. Scotty Unleashed. Scotty Unleashed. <laughs> uh, God. <laughs> What should have been? 
So you talked about it a little bit. I would have loved a little. Here's the thing. I would have loved it, but I feel like if they did it wrong, it would have taken away from the movie. How does she become who she is? Is the typewriter magic? Is Calvin magic? I don't think he is because he puts plastic over the typewriter and theoretically puts it into storage, we're assuming, which also bothered me. Because that would lead you to believe that he could still pull that typewriter out at any given moment. Mm, yes, and write about it. In a mm. moment of weakness, he yeah. could go back to the typewriter. But, but. So I, what I wanted to see. Yes. Office space style. He goes out to mm. a park just like they did with the printer and just beats the shit out of the typewriter. Yes, and, and that would have given some resolve as to what the magic al- magical aspect of how she was created. Because I was thinking in my mind, oh my God, this is like a Jumanji thing where the game gets given to another like family and the kids open it and they go back into the game. Like, welcome true, to Jumanji too. So true. I was like, oh my God, is he going to pawn this off or give it to like, you know, a, a value village or whatever and another person is going to pick it up and unwield the power he knows the power and he's put it aside whereas like somebody could really abuse that power even more than he did so Destroy that's the what power I, yeah that's like you know he should have like you said office space hit that thing with a hammer and i think that could have been really like visceral and emotional very raw of him and just like, like breaking down while he was destroying this thing yeah and maybe saying goodbye to his past you yeah. know like really closing that door and saying like i have grown healing yes what's your what should have been I think we worked off of that (laughs) quite nicely. Thank you. Overall rewatchability. So for overall rewatchability, I have chemistry, a 4.2. Just they played off each other really well. Storyline, a 4.8. I thought this story was so beautifully done. Thirst factor of four. Um, Imagination of 4.8. Like we talked about, there are some movies like this. And it's funny looking at the Rotten Tomatoes, like the critic score. Some critics are like, oh, it's been a thing that's been done before. And it's like, but not that often. Just because you can point out two or three movies that are like this does not mean that it's common. So don't pretend like this is some rinsed and repeated Marvel movie. I was just about to say, how many Spider-Mans do we have? Yeah, I was going to say, how many times we got to see Uncle whatever his name is die? Um, Same with Batman. (laughs) Uh, Soundtrack, I've got a 3.79. I thought the soundtrack was impeccable. I thought it worked really well with the cohesion of the movie. With that said, it's not that there wasn't an actual contemporary song in there that I can point out. Cheese 4.5 for an overall score of 4.34 out of 5. I thought this was a really good watch with an asterisk. I can never say that word. Do you know that? <laughs> um, that it's like you kind of need to know what you're getting into when you go to watch it. This isn't just like uh like a classic rom-com that's going to have an up, a down, a big up at the end and make you feel really good at the end. This is like, it's going to pull at some emotion here. You need to know that going in, but it's a very well done movie. Okay. My rewatchability is as follows. Chemistry 3.85, storyline 4.5, thirst factor 3, imagination 4, soundtrack 3.6, cheese 3.5 for an overall score of 3.74. Oh, wow. You didn't quite like it as much as me. I did like it. I, I, I did, but you know what? It didn't blow me away. Like, like you know about time or or like just oh, other movies you know so like good. you're right I, I try to think about the big movies and the movies that really move me and and you know make me laugh or that kind of thing and this was a really good movie it's above a 3.5 right like it's close to a four it, it's a really good movie like you said you gotta know what you're you're it, it's a it's a societal 
change movie, you know, like it, yeah. it really has a message. And this has been the rom-com rewind of Ruby Sparks. Wherever you're listening, throw us a follow, throw us a review. It helps more people find us. And um, if you want to talk more about anything that you hear on this podcast as well, conversations that we even don't have on the podcast that just kind of come up in the rom-com movie world, we have those conversations on our Instagram. So throw us a follow at rom-com rewind. Thanks for listening.